Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Turn to your neighbor, and we're all doing this, by the way. Uh, turn to your neighbor right now, and in your best Chicago accent, turn to your neighbor and say, we're on a mission from God. Tell him that this morning. We're on a mission from God. That's right. You better believe we are. It is so good to be with you this morning. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, actually, excuse me, my name's Jake, and this is Elwood uh, up on the... No, I'm just kidding. This is my good friend, Julian Desmute. Welcome, Julian, to the stage as well. We're going to be preaching together this morning. Uh, we had so much fun tag team preaching the last time, we thought we'd do it again for round two. So here we are uh, this morning doing our best Blues Brothers I- impersonation uh, this morning. But uh, what I love about that movie, uh, among many things, is that they say, we're on a mission from God. And this is a holy thing. And we are definitely on a mission from God as a church as well. What I love about the Blues Brothers uh, film is not the smoking and the scandalous living. Uh, what I love about the film is that they are laser-focused. They are so incredibly focused on doing whatever it takes to fulfill the mission. Amen? And they're willing to have awkward conversations. They're willing to go places they've never gone. They're willing to do things that they've never done, all for the sake of the mission. And the reason that we say that is it's important to remind ourselves on a regular basis, Hope Elam, of who we are. We are a mission-focused church. Amen? We're not a, an issues-driven church. We're going to become just focused on this issue or that issue. We're not going to jump in and say we're, we're with this political party or that political party or that issue is the main thing. We're going to make it all about the building or the bricks and mortar or anything like that. We're also not playing church. We're also not going through the motions. You are a part of a holy thing, as Elwood says. We're on a mission from God. And we really are. It's the Missio Day. It's the mission of God. And that has been going on for longer than we've been here. It's not just about Hope Elam. It's always been about him. And we play a part. We're a piece of that puzzle. Long before the church had a mission, right, the mission of God had a church. The way that we live out the Missio Day, the mission of God that's been going on since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve first bit that fruit and God comes pursuing them in the garden, God comes to us. Then he comes to us in the person of Jesus. He sends his son Jesus. And then in the end of the Gospels, Jesus sends us. We are a mission-focused church. That's who we are. And not just in some generic way, but you know right here in the middle of the city. God has placed us here at 25th and University for a particular reason. And we are yes, less than two years old as a church. And I remember when we started, and there's still so many, so many that are, uh, those of you that are new, that are asking the question, so what is Hope Elam all about? What does it mean to be a church in the city? And particularly as an urban church, there's a lot of different ways that we can live that out. Some people might say, oh, you're a church in the city. And I will tell you, there are plenty of churches in the city, and that's great, and we love all of those churches, but it's not enough to simply exist geographically, to say, here we are, and we're comfortable, and I have my spot in the pew, and I've got got my place, and simply exist, but become a little holy huddle and have no influence on outside of our church walls. Some people say, no, 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 it's not just in, we we need to be against the city, because everybody knows that the world is is a dark evil, sinful place with a lot of bad influences, so we should just hunker down, stay within the walls of the church, hide everybody, hide the kids, get them in the programs, get them taught up, but let's not, let's not connect with anybody outside these walls because we're against that. And sadly, and maybe some of you have experienced this, in church hurt or in church wounds, the church can become more known for what we're against than what we're for. 
Again, not a biblical model. Again, oh, let's, let's go to the other extreme. Let's just be a church of the city because we want to connect with people outside these walls. So let's just blend in with what everybody else is doing. And this church just becomes, uh, you know, just kind of a relative thing. And, and we just kind of blend in with whatever's hip, whatever's trendy. We want to be that because we, we want to connect and we just kind of blend in. And all of a sudden the church loses its flavor. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? And being a church of the city. Thankfully, God's word gives us a much better biblical, Christ-centered example of what it means to be a church in the city. In, in the most random places, you wouldn't think, but in Jeremiah chapter 29. This is in the Old Testament. God's people, Israel, are in exile. Maybe they've been taken from their home and they have been moved into Babylon. They're in exile. They're not where they want to be. They're not in their homeland. And yet right in the middle of their unideal situation. They don't know how long they're going to be there. They don't know what the circumstances are like. They're not in their homeland. And they find themselves in a new city. And what is God's heart for them? Let's read it together. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Let's read it nice and loud. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers you too will prosper. It seems like the push that God is trying to make for them is it's not time to hunker down. I know your situation is not ideal. I know this isn't a perfect season of life for you. I know there's a lot of things going on, but I have called you to this place at this time for a reason. This is the place. These are the people. For however long that I have called you to be there, this is the city to which I have called you. What would it look like to be a church that is focused on the well-being of the city around us? Not to be of the city, against the city, or simply in the city, but a church for the city. Amen? That is who God has called us to be. A church that is for the city. Now what might that look like? Well, that means that all of us are going to have to realize, just as God's people did in Babylon, I might be new to Des Moines. I might be new to Christianity. <laughs> I might be new to this church. But that does not preclude me from joining God's mission today, from getting on board. What would it look like in a tangible way for us to be a church that is for the city? Number one, three things. Number one is that we are laser focused on Jesus. Go ahead and go to the next slide. We are laser focused on Jesus. We never want to let our circumstances determine our identity. If you go to the next slide, this, we live it out in three ways. It, it, a lot of people might say or come up to you and say, hey, you know, I've heard about this church. I've heard about Hope Elam or, hey, what are you guys all about? Our dream and our vision is that when people hear Hope Elam or they think about us, that the first thing out of their mouth is not, oh, yeah, that's that big old brick church on the corner. Yep, I know where that's at. Great, you know where it's at? Do you know anything? Nope, just big old building. It's been there for years. That's great. Oh, 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 Hope Elam, you're that church that's trying to, to break down racial barriers and cross divides and build bridges racially and, and, and across denominational lines and racial lines and, and ethnic. Oh, yeah, you're that. Yep, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. Oh, Hope Elam, you're that church that, that feeds people every single. That's a part of it. Oh, you're that church that does big vacation Bible school and children and family ministry programs. Yep, that's a part of it. Our dream, our heart, our vision of what it means to be a church for the city is that when people hear Hope Elam, oh, man, do they love Jesus. Man, do they love Jesus. I, I don't know what it is about that place, but it's what we sang this morning. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. And you take a bunch of small fires and you put those on all together. We're a big old bonfire for Jesus. Amen. He's setting a fire down in our soul. Because we love Jesus, because we, follow Je because we follow Jesus, we live like Jesus. That's why we're breaking down racial barriers. That's why we're feeding thousands of people a month. That's why we have children and family ministries. That's why we're reaching out to the homeless and disenfranchised. That's why we do all those. Why? Because we're a Jesus church first. And all of that comes second out of the overflow of our hearts. Amen? That's who we are. That's what it means to be a church for the city. Now, once we have that in place, then we can move to the next piece, which is kingdom-minded. Which is kingdom-minded. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom, not seek first Hope Elam. So what does it mean to be a kingdom-focused church if we're going to be for the city? Is that we care way more about kingdom growth than we do about Hope Elam growth. Let that just sit in for a second. 
I'm not really interested in how big our worship center or how big our church is. I, way, I'm way less interested in our seating capacity. I'm way more interested in our sending capacity. In our ability to be missionaries to the city. In our ability to go and be the church. Any church can have a bunch of seats. What's happening in those seats and after people come sit in those seats is the real definition of a healthy church. We are sent on a mission. That is who we are. That's what God's called us to do. So we're not overly concerned about the growth of Hope Elam. We are, but it's for the sake of the kingdom. In our scripture today in Matthew 9, Jesus went around preaching the good news of the kingdom. Not the good news of a big church. Not the the good news of a big brick building. Not the good news of a particular issue. The good news of the kingdom. And when we are kingdom-minded, that leads us to partner instead of compete. We are on the same team as every other Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in this city. And we want them to succeed. We're partnering instead of competing. Because I got news for you. I haven't been there, but when we get to heaven someday, I don't think there's going to be Lutherans and Pentecostals and Baptists and Catholics and a white church or a black church. There's going to be one church that is under the banner of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we better get used to it now. That's why we partner instead of competing. More so than that, Lutheran Church of Hope as a whole of all of our campuses has over 40 local mission partners that are doing incredible work in this city. And so we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just come alongside and say, what are you good at? And we're going to partner with you in that. We don't have to be the end-all, be-all of everything. Hope Elam is not the only church in this town. We're not the only organization in this town. And so we connect with others. Four or five of those organizations are right here in this building. And one of those is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which has been doing amazing work. And bonus today, you not only get to hear from Julian, but you get to hear from Julian as a staff member of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, of FCA, to hear about what God is doing. Hope Elam, we are on a mission from God. And it's a holy thing, right? It is a holy thing, the Missio Day, And we are so excited and incredibly pumped to partner with FCA. And I'm excited for Julian to tell you all about it. Welcome, Julian, up to the stage. Thanks, John. I'm a vision-driven person. Uh, I believe you have to have, you have to know where you're going. So you have the right pieces to get there. And... With me, God has really done a work in me that led me to where I'm at today with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And you guys know me. I'm here at the church. I'm serving. A lot of people think I'm on staff, but I'm not. Uh, uh, But I'm actually on staff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And the reason why I love uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes or FCA is because they get to work in a very unique area. They work with coaches and they work with athletes in school so, or colleges or even at the professional level. But the reason why I like them is because their vision. And their vision is very, very simple. And I want to share it because I believe it's very, very important to really start this message this way. It's simple. They want to see the world transformed. We want to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And you're probably wondering, okay, like, how do you guys do that? Simple. Let me show you again. To lead every coach and athlete into a great relationship with God. Our focus is not just about trying to get them to get to college and for them to grow in their sport, but the the goal is to meet them exactly where they are. Athletes, I don't know about you, how many athletes do we have in the room? Show of hands, please show me your hands. If you've ever played a sport, there's only like five. Come on, try one more time. Okay. How many of us have played a sport before? Okay. Majority of people in this room have played a sport. Now check this out. How many of us know what FCA is or who, who they are? Decent amount, better than the first service. (laughs) How many of us took advantage of FCA when they were in high school? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. (laughs) I think it's very important that we reach our youth. And what FCA is doing is they're working with coaches and athletes in our school system to help them find God. And I don't know about you, but when I was an athlete, my identity was in sports. See, for me, when you grow up in in a tough area or a tough environment, sports is your ticket out. Sports is your ticket out. And if you can make it there, you can provide for your family. But what happens is, what happens if you don't? There's a level of brokenness that comes with that. There's a level of lack of identity, and you don't have any self-worth because you put it all in that sport, and now you're not playing it. And so what we try to do in our ministry is we want to reach the kids exactly where they are. We don't want them to be alone in their brokenness. Because when I was in high school, I went through my brokenness alone. Oh, I had friends, 
with me too, oh, but they was broken too. And we didn't have a space to really open up and talk about the tough issues that we were dealing with at home. And so instead of us actually talking it out, we acted it out. So many times instead of meeting in small groups to read the Bible, we met in small groups to be able to do things that were not good, like drink, smoke, party, live in the dark world. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you are a mother or a person that has maybe lost their identity. Well, I can tell you this, Christ is the answer. And that's where my fire comes from, my conviction comes from. It's not because that, oh, I'm part of a sports ministry like it's cool. Yes, it is pretty cool that I get to work with athletes. But you know the good thing about it is that God can redeem anything. Like God redeemed me. I used to be an athlete thinking that I had no identity once I was not an athlete. And over the course of years, God started to work on my heart. He started to break me down. He started to mold me and shape me. He changed me. And as a result of that, I am living in my purpose. Now I get to give back to kids that were just like me, broken and hurt. But this time, they don't have to be alone. And neither do you. And so I had the opportunity, next slide, the opportunity to go to FCA camp uh, a few weeks ago. And it was amazing. Um, Every year around the globe, not just around the nation, but around the globe, FCA, they do these sports camps really dope sports camps where they gather as many kids, coaches, people as possible together. And they actually just block out a whole week to be able to fellowship together. And let me tell you guys, God is moving. I don't know if you guys can see it or not, but God is moving. When he was talking about bringing sight back to the blind, he wasn't just talking about people that were blind physically. He was actually wanting to wake up the minds of people that eyes, that they were just, their minds were darkened and they couldn't even perceive what he was doing. And so we got the opportunity to serve these kids for a week, set apart from their distractions, their friend groups, and other people that may be going a different direction, but they were around people that they could actually grow with. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but it gets hard to really do what God has called you to do when you've got people around you that are not going the same way. Many of us are walking around with people that we've been with for since we was knee high, and you know darn well they're not good for you. And we get stuck in our rut, and we wonder why we still struggle with the same sins. It's because we still got the same friends. Let me say that again, because that rhymed for once, so that was pretty cool, but the reason why, no, I want to be real. The reason why we still struggle with the same sins is because we still got the same friends. In order to change, to become who Christ has called you to be, You're going to have to change your circle. And so we were in circles together, as you can see here, praying with people that want to know who Christ is. They got away from the the drinking, the world, or going to the gym and stuff. They got around people that wanted the same thing as them. And in five days, five to seven days, the leaders went there a couple days earlier, we were able to see kids transform. After day three, kids were crying holding hands, the girls running around, they're playing their sport. You would think that they knew each other their entire life because there's something about fellowship. There's something about being in a group together where you can break bread, ask tough questions, and not be ashamed to open up and talk about them because somebody's over here talking about mental health, somebody's over here talking about porn, somebody's over here talking about drinking, and guess what they're all doing? Loving on each other. We're missing in this world Honesty, integrity, but but also authenticity. Let's just be real. If we were to look inward, how many of us are struggling, and you ain't got to raise your hand because I'm not going to make you do that, are struggling because of our own self, because of our embarrassment of what we've done. These kids and these testimonies that will open up and talk about some of the things that they feel and what they've been going through, I get it because I went through it alone. But one thing that I'm proud of, to be is to be a part of a ministry that will not just stay in one spot, but will actually go to the kids. Meet them where they are in our schools. And I don't know if you guys have been watching the news or not, but there's a lot of brokenness in our school system. You got kids that won't even make, that haven't even made it to fifth or sixth or seventh grade that got murdered by gunmen. There's a problem. The enemy is coming for our youth. And so me, I am a, a messenger of Christ. The word apostle just means 
a person that is sent out or a sent one. That's what it means. So with FCA, we are local missionaries in our school, spreading the, the love and the goodness of Christ to these kids in hopes that they would not put their identity just in sports. Matter of fact, not ever in sports, but put it in Christ and use their platform so Christ can be glorified to them. Because I don't know about y'all, but sports is probably one of the highest glorified things in our world. Along with music, but sports is right up there. So we said, you know what, we'll go and actually reach the athletes. Instead of them being glorified, maybe Christ can be glorified through them. That's the message. That's the goal. That's the vision. And we're going to equip them and give them everything that they need. God is not done. Matter of fact, God is just getting started. Some of you have been waiting to figure out how you can get into the field, the mission field. How can God use your gift? Well, I believe that you're going to be in the treat. A really good treat today. So hang around. Go ahead, John. You know, I don't just agree with that. I, I resonate with that. There was a skinny little white kid from Story City, Iowa, that was uh, on a trajectory going right to the NBA, you know, and that was, uh, that was that kid's identity, and he ended up a pastor. But uh, the summer before my senior year of high school, where did I find myself? Wondering, okay, this is my parents' faith. I got to make it my own. You know what I'm talking about? There comes a point in your life where it's like, yeah, I'm not just going to go through the motions. I'm going to believe this for myself or not. And where did I find myself? At Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter, Minnesota at FCA basketball camp. And that made a huge impact on, on my life. And so it's not, we're not just blowing smoke up here. This is the real deal. Students, teenagers, college students, everybody <laughs> needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And that's not going to happen if we stay in our comfort zones. And I, I know that it would be easy to stand up here today, be easy for you to, to hear this message and go, yeah, that's great for, for Julian because he's an athlete and, and he played college sports and all of that. And, 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 and you guys are out there and, and there's people that work with youth and there's people that work with students. But that's just not me. Don't miss the point of the message today. The point of the message is not go serve with FCA. The point of the message is not go work with students and youth. The point of the message is get in the game. Wherever you are, get off the bench and get into the game because you are needed. And God has a place for you in that field. Jesus says it himself in our Bible reading for today, Matthew chapter 9. Let's read it nice and loud together. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now just pause there for a second. So many people hear that scripture and say, yes, we need to get on our knees and we need to pray that God would send more people, that God would raise men and women up for the calling and the mission that he has on their life. In fact, I think he's laying that on the heart of the person that's sitting next to me right now. What if the... What if the message today is that God wants you to be an answer to your own prayer? Yes, we want to pray about that. And at a certain point, God says, you. I'm calling you. And, and I, I want you to get in the game and I want you to, to get off the bench because there's a lot of different fields that are ripe for harvest. FCA is a field. And I am so glad, I am so glad that Julian and the rest of the team are going to be in our area, high schools and middle schools, connecting with those students, going to them. That's what it means to be the church, is to go to where people are and not wait for them to come here. Amen? That's a mission field. We talked about it last weekend. Working with our children and our students here is a mission field. They are showing up. They are coming. They are inviting their friends. And they're waiting for adults to come alongside them and to partner with them. And a lot of times what I'll hear is when we talk about sermons like this and messages where we're called to, to be sent, to get on board with God's mission, I hear people say things like, yeah, yeah, Julian, yeah, Pastor John, I want to make an impact. I want to live a life of significance. I want my life to matter. And then you hear like, hey, we're going to go work with some students and have lunch with them at Des Moines Public Schools. We're, we're going we're gonna to serve the kids in this church. We need some small group leaders for our high school ministry this year. We need some greeters at the church. Some ushers. 
Some people to serve eggs on the breakfast line. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. I mean, I, I meant like real ministry, you know, like really doing big things for the kingdom. Can I just push back on that a little bit this morning or a lot of it? That is the real ministry. That is the real ministry. Those that are hanging out with our babies in the nursery right now, that is the real ministry. Those that are serving in Hope Elam Kids every single weekend, those that sit with our high school students, those that are connecting with area high school students through FCA, that is the real ministry. And it's not always flashy, and it's not always glamorous, and you don't get your name printed in the paper, and you don't get all the notoriety, and people don't even understand and know what you're doing all the time, but it matters. Because in the kingdom of God, there are no small things, only the king's things. Only the king's things. In the kingdom of God, there are no small, insignificant things because they belong to the king. When you are doing things for the kingdom of God, they have inherent worth and value. There is no other way to serve. There is no other way to be sent. I want to be a missionary. I want to make a big impact. I want to be sent. For some of you, God is sending you down the hallway to serve on the breakfast line. For some, God is sending you to the parking lot to be the first face that people see when they pull into our church. God is sending you to work with our children. Well, yeah, but I don't really know if I'm making it. It's not our job to control the results. It's our job to plant the seeds and get out of the way so that Jesus can grow the work. Jesus can do the work. It's not our job. <laughs> That's what makes it valuable. Do you want to be sent? Do you want to make an impact? You don't have to work for a church or work for a Christian organization. The role is to be sent. And for some of us, that call into the mission field might look like this. I'm going to find some people that look different than me in this church. I'm going to find some people that have different color skin. I'm going to find some people, as I've met five different groups of people this morning, that did not grow up in this country. And I love that. And I love it that you're here. Find some people that are completely different than you. Get to know them. Sit with them at breakfast. Start a small group. That is being sent. That is finding your mission field. We don't serve because it's convenient for our schedule. We serve because that's who we are. We are servants of the king. It's a get to. It's not a got to. I am loved by the king and because I am loved by the king, I want to serve him. I want to love him. That's why we do these things. And sometimes, especially when it comes to serving kids or, or youth, we, we stay on the bench. Instead of getting in the game, we stay on the bench for a variety of reasons. And we have all sorts of thoughts that go through our head like, oh, you know, I, I could never really work with the next generation. I could never do what Julian's doing. I could never do what FCA is doing. I could never work with our students or our kids because I don't really know the whole Bible. I don't have the whole thing memorized. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I don't have my life all figured out. So I should probably wait until all those things check, 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 check. Then I'll be good enough. And actually, then you'll be disqualified because what they're looking for is imperfect people who are still following Jesus because that's what they're going to look like. They're not looking for perfect people. So that actually disqualifies you. What qualifies you is your imperfection. What qualifies you is you being surrendered. God is looking for people that are available and surrendered to get off the bench and into the game. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus sends us. He says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And I love how Christian author and pastor Alan Hirsch picks up on this. He says, every Christian is a sent one. There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. I'm, I'm not one of those types of church people, Pastor John. Just let's not get carried away, okay? I'm going to come and I'm going to do my thing for an hour a week. I'll be one of those Christians that's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is saying, I am a missionary. To follow Jesus means I have been sent. And it doesn't take working for a Christian organization to do that. God, where are you sending me to get out off the bench and into the game? And a lot of people just, ah, you know. And we try to, we try to put the caveat of humility. Oh, you know, I wouldn't want to act like I have it all together. I can't work with youth. I can't work with students. There is a lot of self-deprecation running around disguised as humility. 
And I don't know what it is, if it's an Iowa nice thing, if it's a church nice thing. But I think for some of us, we just disguise our self-hatred and our low self-worth as humility. I, I, I could never do that. Self-hatred and self-hate talk to yourself is not godly. Courage is godly. Courage is godly. Courage says, I am not enough, but Christ through me and in me is enough to get off the bench and into the game. That's what courage says. It's time to get off the bench and into the game. These students, these youth, the people in our city are not looking for perfect examples of what it means to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you that we got those flyers in the back right outside the doors at the missions table. If God is leading you to step forward, to get in the game, to get off the bench, to find your mission field and serve with children and youth in this church, I would encourage you to grab one of those and connect with the people at our New to Hope Elam booth right outside the doors today. And they would love to get you connected. I just want to say this. Don't let I'm not called to it be code language for I'm not willing to get out of my comfort zone. Can we just be honest about that? Let's not use God to run from God. Let's not use God language to run from the mission that he's called us to. You have what it takes, not because you have it, but because he has it. He is enough in you. We're on a mission from God. The harvest is ripe. And he is looking for workers for his harvest. And Julian is going to walk us through how we are sent in mission. Come on yeah, up, brother. Yeah, good job, John. That was fire. Give it up. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. Stop. I love the word because it convicts you. It's called the Holy Bible for a reason because when you read it, anything in holy in you, <laughs> Gotta go. I really love the word. Because God sent out his word and it healed people. And then he came and he was the word made flesh. And so people were just attracted to the word or Jesus. I love Matthew, um, this verse here. But I really want to, I'm going to read it and then I want to give you context to it. All right, because I don't think, I want you guys to be so on fire for God when you leave the house that you really start to rearrange your friend group. You really start to think about what God has given you, and you're going to try to put that into action. That's real talk. All right, and so I got the fuller version of that because it's very important. So starting at verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, claiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed, this is the NIT version, um, and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> then he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So prior to that scripture, prior to Jesus saying this to the disciples, if you Draw all the way back for all my Bible readers in here. Matthew 5. If you guys know what Matthew 5 is, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is dropping hot fire. He is spitting the dopest sermon ever. And there is a multitude of people in here, just like you guys. He was, it was crowds of people that were listening. Probably people in there that were under the religious legalism law that had them chained up feeling guilty about what they've done, how they lived. And here Jesus is, is proclaiming this good news, talking about all types of different things. And I have a few, so I'm on my phone. So for you guys, do not judge. Um, <laughs> but he's talking about how people are the salt and the light of the earth, right? And he's speaking to broken people. So I want you for a moment to place yourself here. Really have your hearts open and really pay attention because God is speaking to you. He's talking to them and he is proclaiming his good news that they are the salt and the light of the earth. All right, and he's talking on fulfilling the law. He's talking about murder. But he's going even a step further to penetrate the hearts of people and he's saying, I'm talking about anger. Because when you get so riled up in your anger, you can murder people. See, the Pharisees were perfect in their works, but they were so corrupt in their heart. 
And a lot of times we can let our good works that we claim our works kind of justify for us, but when our hearts are so far away from God. Our hearts are sick. So Jesus came to address the hearts of people. And he goes on, he's talking about divorce, and he's talking about adultery. And then the next step further, he says, hold up, I know, I know. Some of y'all probably thinking that y'all didn't do that, but let me go a step further. He's like, I'm actually talking about anyone that looks at a man or a woman with lust in their heart. And they're like, oh, even the Pharisees. But you know what? It's good news to the people that are listening. Because this is so different than what they've probably heard their entire life. And so I can imagine as Jesus is dropping this hot fire, they are starting to get hope. They're starting to have faith increase inside them. They're starting to have their eyes that were darkened, their minds that were darkened, and their eyes that were closed starting to open. And I can, I can picture it now that there were people probably starting to be healed in that moment. Because the word of God can go out and it can bring healing to people. Oh my gosh, it can bring healing to people. But not only that, it can set people free. And so he is preaching this beautiful sermon on the mount. And it goes on in the book for about two and a half, about three chapters. And it's like Jesus is like, and I want to let you guys know, Jesus is a farmer. Because it was like he was plowing the ground during his sermon and planting seeds of the good news. Why, how do we know that? It's because as soon as he is done, guess what happens? People are coming up and they're getting their healing. Miracle signs and wonders start breaking out and it turns into the biggest healing crusade ever. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Some of us just need to just get in his presence and just listen to him. That word that God has been speaking to you, God has been trying to set you free, but sometimes we have to take a step of faith. Let's take a step of faith for that to happen, for that to show up, for that to come to pass. And so we see that Jesus was planting the seeds and then he was also reaping at the same time. Sometimes it doesn't take five or six years. It doesn't take five or six years in everything. It doesn't take a long time. Sometimes if we just allow God's word to just get planted instead of our positivity, we may actually see some fruit. And even though his word is positive and it's motivational, more than anything, it's inspirational. I say this all the time. Motivation, oh, it gets you going. But inspiration will keep you going. When Jesus touches you, you cannot stop moving. I'm trying to wake up some souls in here that maybe need a fresh touch from God. Because I feel like sometimes we are so burnt out. And we're burnt out because we're doing it in our own strength instead of his strength. And I don't know about y'all. In this world, ain't much happiness going on. But those that put the trust in the Lord, they will have the joy of the Lord. And that joy will be their strength. That's what it's all about. And so God, Jesus, is actually doing this new thing, people are, people are getting healed, diseases, the people that, are, that were in wheelchairs, they were walking. They were walking. I want, to, I want to let you know, this is hope for you too. That people got up, people were walking. He was raising the dead. You remember the lady with the blood issue for 12 years, she got healed. And then right after that, he wakes up the girl that was sleeping, but they thought she was dead. He's doing all these miracles, and it gets to chapter, it gets to Matthew 9. And there's crowds of people around him. Why? Because people are being drawn to Christ. Because he says, I will, if I'm lifted up, I will draw people. And people are around and they want more of that anointing. They want that healing. And he looks at his disciples. As I can imagine them sitting right here, right next to him, looking at this crowd of hungry people, sheep without a shepherd. And he says, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. He says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. To ask, ask him and send, ask him to send more workers in the field. And guess what Jesus does? The next chapter after that, he sends out the disciples. And they go out into the field. So can I get my first slide? In order to be fit for ministry, you're going to have to get used to getting engaged. You need to get involved. Like John was saying, you just need to do something. Your feet 
and for, for some, some people that wear boots. Your boots were meant for walking. And the reason why I actually love this scripture here is because sometimes we engage, but we don't share the good news. Here, it says here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, we loved, this is Paul speaking, he said, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Sometimes we can get in a group of people, share our lives with them, but never share the good news. That means sometimes you can actually have a redeemed marriage that God transformed, but then you be sitting there with another married couple and don't even talk about what God has done for you. And then we wonder why marriages are falling into divorce. I don't believe it's just a, well, you know, man, the fallen world. I just believe there's just not enough people that have been touched by God that are speaking on it. Come on. Because faith does come by hearing. And it's the power of our testimony that sets people free. And so Paul is saying we're not only sharing our lives, but we're sharing the good news. So when you're out here in these halls or when you're out there, you, you get involved, you get engaged with them, but then you also share what God has done for you. Because at the end of the day, you, if you deny him in front of people, remember the Bible, he said, I will deny you in front of my father. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to get engaged, get involved, share the good news, and start seeing people transform. That's what it's all about. Because some of us, we think, and this was me for many years, I didn't think I had what it takes to do the work of the Lord. What you mean, God, I'm doing ministry? I'm a hooper. He's like, you're not a hooper. You're a, <laughs> you're a servant, bro. Like, what do you mean? He's like, your name is St. Julian. That's my real name. Okay, what's the St. Julian mean? Well, he said the saint part means a messenger. See, God has even hidden your truth in your name to some people. If we look close at the details. And maybe you think that you don't have what it takes to do the work of God. Well, my second point says this. God has equipped us, right? And verse 11 in Ephesians 4, verse 11 says that God has given gifts to the church. Gifts. And those gifts are the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And then it goes to this one. It says that their responsibility is to equip God's people. Equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. I'm here to say that God has already placed something on the inside of you. You are equipped. You are so equipped. If you are a Christian, you are a believer, and you are Holy Spirit-filled, and I believe each and every person is in here, you have something on the inside of you. God would never, ever, ever want to create an empty vessel, call somebody to do something, and never give them what it takes to do it, all right? And so I want you all to really dig deep because remember the story of Moses. After he done killed the Israelite, boom, right? We did something he shouldn't have done. He ran to the wilderness in fear. But in that wilderness season, come on now, who's ever been in the wilderness, God started to mold him and shape him and do different things. Like when I was in the wilderness season, God renewed my mind. I got in that word. I got away from the world, and I got into his kingdom, and I sat in his chair. And then he pulled me to the table, and then he put food in front of me. And then I started to eat the word. And before you know it, instead of being physically strong, I started to get spiritually strong. And before you knew it, my mind started to change. And before you knew it, I looked up, and I said, oh, my gosh, he is who he says he is. Some of us just need to get to the table. Because Moses, when he was in that wilderness season, had every reason to just stay there. He's committed murder. Murder, hiding, but then God found him. And guess what Moses had? He had a staff. And for many years, he probably had that staff and he probably had a little limp. He was walking with that little staff. And he didn't probably think anything of it. Oh, I'm getting to my point. He probably didn't think anything of it. But then when Jesus called him from that burning bush, he was talking about, man, I can't go to Pharaoh and speak to him. God was like, what do you got in your hand? He was like, little old staff. And he was like, what? He said, throw that staff on the ground. Remember what that staff did? It turned into something that was not a staff. And then he goes into Pharaoh, throws a staff on the ground. And what does that staff do? It turns into a snake and it eats the other snake. Hmm. A little staff that Christ gave him had a lot more power than he thought. I hear to say that that little thing that you've been overlooking in your life has power in it when you allow God to be a part of it. 
that little job, that little bit of, that little two dollars you got, that little, that little opportunity that you had to serve in the breakfast line. God is looking to see how faithful you are with the few, with the little. Seeds are little, but they get planted to the ground. A tree is little. A tree is little. But then all of a sudden, throughout time, it becomes big. And we see that even with Moses, right? Because Moses has decided with the power of God to set his people free. Come on, let's go deep. And guess what he uses to set his people free? Somebody said it. The staff. Holds the staff over the water. That thing that was so insignificant becomes the most significant thing ever. So what he is saying in that moment is, sometimes that small little thing may actually set you free. That thing that you've been overlooking, thinking it was nothing, could be the thing that gets you out of slavery into freedom. It could be the thing that can actually get you from poverty to being richer than the mother. All right? I'm telling you, God has the power to take your little thing and do extraordinary big things with it. God equips those. And when he equips you, guess what he's also going to do? He's going to empower you. He is going to empower you. God will never give you something for just to look at. Everything in your life that God has given to you, and I'm sorry if you do not believe this, but it is true, it was intentional. It was intentional. When he gave Samson that power, remember the story of Samson. When he gave Samson that power, that power that he gave him, he was anointed in that case to do what? To actually set Israel free from the Philistines. So even when he was living in sin, and I just want to go deep with this, even when he was living in sin, guess what? He still was able to deliver his people. Why? Because he was anointed to do it. So it wasn't all about being perfect. It was about doing what God has called you to do. That's what it's all about. And with the disciples, they were equipped. And how do you get equipped? In God's word. The number one thing that can equip you is God's word. And then what it would do, it would empower you to do what God has called you to do. Because how many in here have a Bible or own a Bible? Okay, hands up. Some people don't want to put their hands up. That's perfectly fine. But if you go into Ephesians 6, two chapters later, it's the sword of the Spirit. Any person that has a Bible is equipped with a sword. And that sword will empower you in your daily lives to fight the enemy. And matter of fact, in that chapter, it talks about the armor of God. This armor of God talks about the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, belt of truth, and the shoes of readiness. He equips us, and then he sends us out. He empowers us with his Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you are today, but I feel like you really need to understand that God doesn't always call those. God does not always call those that are equipped. Because he'll equip the cause. I want, you, I want to say that one more time for somebody that has been in that pit, that has been in that space thinking that you're not enough, thinking that God can't use you and that your life isn't like this person's life and your marriage isn't like this person's marriage. If God has spoken a word over your life, I promise it will come to pass. He will give you every little resource everything that you absolutely need, not because of your namesake, but because of his namesake. God is doing a new thing, Hopi Room. Not only in our church, but I'll make it personal, even in your life. And at this church, we have different ministries going on. And if you are a man, I'm telling you, you want to get into the water of what we're doing here when with our small groups and our men's ministries. There's no way you should be alone out here trying to fight. There are so many people that are on fire and that have became on fire because they got around other men to talk about their brokenness. Oh, my gosh. And I'm in this phase in my life where I'm really trying to really understand what it looks like to be beautifully broken. Because God didn't call all of us in here to get it right. Jesus already did that for us on that cross. And so I hope these words that I speak that are spirit and life that, that Christ has given to you today 
I hope that you would take it and that you would believe it. Because the God of the old is still the God of today. The God that did healing back then is the same God that would do healing today. The God that mended broken hearts then is the same God that is healing hearts today. God is just waiting for us to get with him, to get out into the field, and to be able to get out here and serve and help other people know that truth. So can I have you all stand up, and I want you to put your hands up. Get ready for the worship team to come out here, but I want to pray a blessing over you guys because I just believe that the Lord is doing something new. God wants to break off old chains. God wants to set people free. God wants kids to grow up walking in their authority. God wants people to know that, oh, he is who he says he is. And so hands lifted high all around this place. I just pray, God, that you would um, open up the, the eyes of the blind, that you would bring healing and wholeness to people's lives that may be broken. I pray, God, that you would... Um, Equip them with every gift. Matter of fact, that the, those gifts would start to pour out of them, God. Where they would know that they're just not an empty gift box, God. No, 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 God. Because when you gave your spirit, you gave them a spirit that had gifts. A spirit that would comfort them in the times of trouble. A spirit that would be there for them no matter what. God, I pray that you would increase their faith as your word goes out today. That the conviction that hits their heart, God, that they would obey it, God. Because you, you require obedience over sacrifice. May they have the faith to step out. May they be able to walk in their truth, God, with conviction of who you are. Get engaged and get equipped. And trust that you have given them everything that they need to do what you have called them to do. You are doing a new thing in this world, in this church, in our community, with our kids, in our young adult ministry, in our marriages. God, you're doing a new thing. May we perceive it, God. Thank you for this anointing. Thank you for this oil. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his blood. We honor you, God, and we lift you up today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said it. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.